Marjorie Taylor Greene sounds like a relatively normal politician when you read her Twitter bio. A Christian, mother, American, business owner and congresswoman representing Georgia's 14th district. But her political career has been anything but ordinary. And since assuming office in 2021, she's become one of Congress's most controversial characters. As well as facing plenty of criticism, she's also been happy to dish it out, with Biden, Walmart and Bud Light all at the receiving end of her outbursts. But who is she really? What motivates her? And is she here to stay? I'm Jacob Jarvis, and joining me to discuss this for The Bunker USA is Jay Bookman, a columnist for The Georgia Recorder. Welcome to The Bunker USA, Jay. Thank you. Jay, when did you first notice Marjorie Taylor Greene, and what was your initial impression of her? She burst on the scene rather uh, unexpectedly, out of nowhere. Um, Nobody knew who she was. She was not considered to be a viable candidate. But then another uh, congressman from the 14th District decided he wasn't going to run again, a very Republican district, very conservative district. She's quickly switched into that district and won it easily. When you uh, when you first saw her, what did you think? Was she just a sort of bog-standard Trump acolyte, but you thought nothing more? Or did she stand out from the, from the very beginning as someone who might become this major, notorious presence that she's become? She stood out in the way she stands out now as somebody who was seemed to be on the far fringe even of today's Republican Party. And because of that, nobody really gave her much of a chance. Uh, In her initial race, she ran against a well-funded, very conservative neurosurgeon and defeated him handily. That's when people said, oh, maybe this is something a little bit more than what we had originally thought. Is she almost so conservative that that almost makes her become extreme because she's an anomaly of how far down that way she is? She's she's very extreme. She's probably one of the handful, maybe four, five, six most extreme members of the Republican caucus in Congress. And the Republican caucus in Congress is extreme itself. So when you're on the extreme of the extreme, you're pretty far out there. Alien comes to Earth, has no idea who anyone <laughs> on the planet is, and you have to describe her to them. How do you describe Marjorie Taylor Greene? Uh, one description I've used is that she's... Uh, if arrogance went on a blind date with stupidity, Marjorie Taylor Greene would be the result of that pairing. Um, <laughs> if I'm being a little harsh, I understand that. It's not normally rhetoric that I would use to describe a sitting member of Congress, but I think she's more than earned that. And has she become a an, an anomaly there in that she that doesn't even seem to me appear to be in Congress a grouping that she naturally fits into? She's obviously very dedicated to Donald Trump and she's dedicated to Fox News, well, as Fox News was when Tucker Carlson was still there. <laughs> but apart from maybe Matt Gates, she doesn't seem to quite fit with anyone. Lauren Boeber, a little bit, but she's kind of her own entity at the moment. She is, and she, she's had feuds with Gates as well. Um, she has a, a strong alliance, it would appear, with uh, Speaker McCarthy, uh, that he was with her for whatever happens. And that's something that she's going to test because <laughs> uh, she's always pushing the boundaries. She continues to do so. Across her career, what have been the the key moments? What has piqued your interest the most throughout? You know, was it was it how she reacted to January six, or was it when she was she was shouting out in the State of the Union address, "liar" and stuff like that? What's been the the key moments that have defined where she is today? You could make a long list, starting with her QAnon background, uh, her allegations that the California wildfires were started by the Rothschilds with a space laser. She has had multiple 
uh, incidents of anti-Semitism. She's been a defender of the January 6th insurrectionists. <laughs> um, as I said, there's a long, long string of amazingly irresponsible uh, statements and rhetoric from Marjorie. Other than being an, an idiot, as I've seen you describe Raz, what, <laughs> what motivates her to have these positions? Because they seem so scattergun to me. It just seems to be that she is anti whatever comes along to be anti that day. What's pushing her to behave like this, if you could, if you can possibly interpret that? Well, I think it's not difficult to interpret. She's looking for attention. That's about it. You can be somebody who wants to attract attention and have a goal beyond that. Yeah. I don't see her having a goal beyond just getting that attention. She seems to have tried to push against the more traditional side of the party and people who she seems to think fall into that, whether it be McCarthy one day or whoever else it might be, Liz Cheney and people like that. What has she tangibly achieved other than driving good Republicans out of the party? Has she done anything else? She has achieved a national notoriety uh, to the point that I think even a more moderate Republican would be afraid to take her on or to criticize her. 40 or 50 percent of the Republican base is enthralled by Marjorie Taylor Greene. That is the source of her national power. That's why McCarthy is so nice to her yeah. uh, and protective of her is because he's aware that she has a national following. How she wielded that, though, with McCarthy, for example, how has she made him change his behavior? Has she got him to do things she wants to have him do due to that notoriety? And what are those things? Absolutely. In her first term, uh, the Democrats stripped her of her committee assignments and the House didn't really complain much about it. But as part of her deal with McCarthy, she now sits on the Homeland Security Committee, uh, the House Oversight Committee. Those are prime committee assignments for a second term uh, congressman from Georgia with no background in either of those areas. And it's already causing McCarthy a lot of trouble. You've seen where uh, Green has access to top secret classified material. Uh, and he, she has been supportive of efforts to leak classified material. Basically, again, her accomplishments in regards to McCarthy are in raising her own visibility and profile. In terms of her, her ability on those committees, what has been your your takeaway when you've watched her? For example, I watched her trying to grill uh, Mayorkas the other day, and she basically just didn't seem to actually even understand what the rules were. And suddenly it was really abrupt that she was told, well, you've called him a liar, so you can't actually say anything anymore. And then she just blew up and couldn't do anything else. More widely, when she's been on these committees, uh, what have you thought when you've looked on? Well, if you have no intention of following the rules, then you don't really care to know what those rules are, do you? She made herself the victim of a Republican chairman who shut her down. That elevated her anti-establishment credentials, got her airtime on Fox and elsewhere. With airtime on Fox, she's uh, she's defended Tucker Carlson in Tucker Carlson having gone and said she doesn't want him there. Is that just purely out of self-interest? Because Tucker Carlson and being able to go on Fox News and be this talking head is what makes her Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's, it's a massive part of her of her character that she's built up now. And if that goes, then she's kind of screwed, it would seem. So do you think she actually cares remotely about Tucker Carlson or that she thinks, shit, I might, be able to get, might not be able to get on TV that much anymore? I think it's both. I think she... Part of it is that calculation of not having access to Fox 
airways anymore. Uh, and we'll see how that plays out, whether Fox bans her, so to speak. But part of it is she, uh, what Tucker Carlson, with his great replacement theory, frankly, very racist, uh, anti-immigration, anti-black, proto-fascist approach, I think there is an affinity there. There's the Marjorie Taylor Greene that we see on television and it's clearly beamed worldwide. I mean, I'm sat here in London asking you about her because she has that much visibility and cut through. What is she thought of in her home state? How do people in Georgia feel about her in her district? How do people that you speak to, how do they feel about her? Those are two different things. Uh, within her district, which is a largely rural district, uh, relatively poor, below average levels of college education, et cetera, She's a heroine. Um, she had a a good opponent, Democratic opponent, in the last election, who was very well funded. He appealed nationally for for funds and, and was able to raise millions of dollars and spend millions of dollars. And she beat him two to one. But I think if she were to run statewide in Georgia, outside of her district, I doubt that. She, depending on who the opponent was. But I doubt that she would win even the Republican primary statewide and certainly would not win the general election for governor or senator or any other statewide office. But within her district, she's untouchable. The layers of different types of authorities there are in the United States, does that mean that people maybe don't expect very much from their congresspeople? So therefore, you know, on their their tangible day-to-day life, they're perhaps not expecting their members of Congress to really do very much for them, like other than represent talking points. So does that create a a space here where someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene, as you say, can be, it would seem to me relatively useless to anyone other than her allies, herself, and Donald Trump and people who like him? I think that's accurate. Um, You're one of 435 members of Congress. Uh, You don't have administrative duties. Uh, You're not delivering services. Her congressional office does not have a good reputation for constituent service, but it doesn't matter because she's performing. She's a performer. She's a circus performer. And there's that element within the Republican Party these days that, especially in her district, that they want somebody to to poke people in the eye. I remember when I when I wrote for Newsweek, her team were were quite responsive and quite polite. And that's probably because I was a member of the media and she wanted to be able to get messaging across in the media, whether good or bad, even though I would think most of the time it was it was bad when I was writing about her, to be totally, <laughs> to be totally honest. There's no uh, such thing as bad publicity. No, no. I, and I was a straight down the line journalist. I wasn't remotely biased of thinking, God, this woman is awful. Uh, but uh, <laughs> does she have any variety of redeeming qualities? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did. <laughs> that's a tough question. Uh, you may have stumped me on that one. Um, I will say, I mean, I tell people all the time, but I covered the Georgia legislature for a long time, covered the Congress, of course. Our representatives are representative. Uh, and I think she is representative of the people in her district. She is giving them what they want. I've seen in the past week attempts to raise money to run against her in her district. And that is a waste of donor money and a, a, because it's not going to happen. The only way people are going to get rid of Marjorie Taylor Greene in Congress is if the Republican Party 
decides that they're paying too high a price for allowing her to continue as she is. And I see no sign that they are near that point. Kevin McCarthy, for example, is kind of, he seems quite bound to me, to be honest, in terms of what power he does have. Is it just that these the Republican Party is on such a decline that they are just, anyone with any level of sense is just over a barrel? So you are at this point now where it has been, the soul of that party has been won by Marjorie Taylor Greene. Is Marjorie Taylor Greene actually now a lot more representative of the GOP than she was when she first came into politics because she's taken it over? Well, she came into politics in 2020, so that was you know deep into the Trump era. Mm. But yes, I think she. your larger point is that, yes, she is, to a large degree, the soul of the Republican Party, such as that is. Does does writing her off as a bit of a joke, like I feel like a lot of people do, perhaps make her make her slightly more dangerous? Because, as you said, she can maybe go slightly undetected, actually doing some relatively influential, horrible things if she were to want to. Because everyone just goes, "Ah, oh, look at this really stupid thing she says," and then she's in the ear of Kevin McCarthy, maybe shaping things in a more surreptitious way than we'd expect. I think that might be giving her a little bit too much credit. Uh, <laughs> I don't think she has an agenda other than her own celebrity. Yeah, well, I, I've got a tweet from her here that I saw, which was saying that she said, Joe Biden is running to stop extreme MAGA Republicans. So let's define what extreme MAGA Republican policies are. And I mean, it is just extremely secure borders, extremely low crime, extremely good education for our kids. It's just sort of saying things with no step to get there. I look back at, say, Donald Trump and Mike Pence, and I think they both equally had horrible intentions. But what made me more worried about Mike Pence was he actually knew how things worked and he knew the steps to get there. Donald Trump just went and sort of knocked stuff about for a while and has caused irreparable damage. But he didn't know how to really go deep down and create systemic change in that way. It's Marjorie Taylor Greene much the same, that she is just kind of, she's a bull in a china shop right now. Oh, absolutely. But... Marjorie Taylor Greene knows what she knows. She knows how to get attention. She knows how to play the media. Why are we sitting here talking about Marjorie Taylor yeah. Greene? She's very good at that. She has that instinct, a Trumpian instinct. She's thinking of herself as a potential, I think, running mate for Donald Trump. Yeah. A future Sarah Palin, but more extreme. Correct. Trump were somehow to be denied the Republican nomination, be, he might run independent. And I think she, she would be right there beside him for that as well. Uh, she has no loyalty to the Republican Party. It's loyalty to herself. This is the million dollar question. But then how do we deal with a problem like Marjorie Taylor Greene? Because if we don't publicize how awful she is, the tropes she's spouting, the conspiracy theories. But when we do that, it creates this folklore around her, which the people that like her like. And the people that don't like her don't like, but it just cements everyone in their positions. How do we deal with this problem? Do we ignore her? Do you think as journalists, do you think at the media, there is a way forward to kind of actually reveal what she is and make something happen about it? I think everybody knows who she is, just as everybody knows who Trump is. The idea that you that there's something we're going to learn about Trump that's going to make people turn away from him. We've, we've tried that experiment repeatedly and keep coming back with the same results. I think the same is true of Marjorie Taylor Greene. You can't expose her because she is what she appears to be. And people are some people are fine with it. Again, I think the only solution to the problem of Marjorie Taylor Greene is to make her the avatar of the 
modern Republican Party. Make voters in swing districts and swing states, when they think of the Republican Party, they think of Marjorie Taylor Greene. If the Democrats can pull that off, and I think you saw uh, in Biden's announcement uh, video, who was featured in that? A picture of Marjorie Taylor Greene. They are aware of that. They're, I think they are attempting to do that. The Republicans have a history of being very good at that. They've turned AOC into a, a national symbol of democratic excess. Um, they've been very good at that. I think the Democrats have a great opportunity to, to do that with Marjorie Taylor Greene. And if again, at some point, the Republicans finally come to the conclusion that she's hurting them more than helping them, they will abandon her, find a way to, to uh, cut her off. But until then... She's untouchable. Don't interrupt your enemy when they're making mistakes, I suppose, is the the, <laughs> yes. the message for the Democrats there. I We've spoken for 20 minutes now about Marjorie Taylor Greene, and I'm aware that you must know loads of stuff about Georgia, and there must be lots of interesting things and important things happening in Georgia, which get ignored because people speak about Marjorie Taylor Greene. What would be the, the key issue for Georgia at the minute that you would like to get across to a wider audience if you had the opportunity to get that across in the way that Marjorie Taylor Greene does, but doesn't because she's too busy talking complete nonsense. Well, I've been covering politics in Georgia for more than 30 years now, and you've seen a gradual process of, of going from a overwhelmingly Republican state to pretty much of a swing state. Uh, governor Brian Kemp, who's a Republican governor of, of Georgia, said that if the Republican presidential candidate can't win Georgia, they can't win the White House. And that is true, which is why Trump was so upset when he lost Georgia. So it's a state is swinging. It is. It will continue to do so. All the demographics say that it will continue to do so at the state level. Every office is held by Republicans. They dominate the state legislature. But that's going to change. Jay, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, remember you can back us on Patreon so we can keep making them. There's a link in the show notes or just search Bunker Patreon Podcast. This is Jacob Jarvis. Thank you for joining me for the Bunker USA. The Bunker USA was presented by Jacob Jarvis. Audio production was by me, Robin Lieber. The producer was Chris Jones. Art by James Parrott. Managing editor, Jacob Jarvis. Group editor, Andrew Harrison. Our music was by Jade Bailey. And The Bunker is a Podmasters production. 